Okay, guys, and um, welcome to episode 17 of Ferg's Footy Fanfare. I am Ned, and joining me as per usual, I've got Jay. Jay, how you going, mate? Oh, piss off, Ned. No time for the friendlies, mate. This is bloody family warfare. You're gone, mate. I've had enough of you already. If it's going to be like this the rest of the episode. Mate, this is an enthralling weekend of football for us. Um I mean, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Not, Not me. me. Crazy Maybe. that our two that our two teams are playing off in a final. We've um I'd say over the journey, I mean, you went through your younger years through St Kilda, having a uh, I'll say a lot of amount of success, you know, to make two grand final well, technically to play three grand finals. Um and you know be right up there in the competition, you know, in the um, later 2000 decade. And then now for me to see Richmond going through quite a dominant period over the last three years. Um, and now, I mean, they come combined. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be a cracker. And I know that if I asked myself and you included at the start, you know, episode number one, if we thought that St Kilda and Richmond would be playing off, in a semi-final, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely take that, but I wouldn't believe you. Um, and yeah, I think you said in one of your nuggets of knowledge last week, perhaps it's what since nineteen first final since nineteen seventy three that St Kilda and Richmond have played uh, that was against first, each other. That was that was actually the last time they played in a final last time, in final go. series together. Yeah, and then but that year happened to also be when Richmond and St Kilda also played against each other in a final. And that had been only one of three, I think, from memory, or this might be the third. So there's you know, there's not much finals history between our two respective clubs. No, that's right. It's interesting, the Channel 7 crew last week in the Saints-Dogs game, they um, made reference a couple of times of like the um, inexperience of St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs in their history of making finals. I think it was something like St Kilda's 26th final win throughout, you know, yeah. since their um, establishment in 1897. So, and that's pretty crazy because you guys had, you know, a really good period where you made, obviously you made your um, three, yeah, you say three grand finals and you're, um, you know, in that dominant period where you guys won a minor premiership that in one of those years. And Bulldogs have been up there, thereabouts, you know, throughout the late 90s. Um, obviously they faced off in a prelim against Adelaide and obviously went on to win the premiership in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they've been through um, periods of successfulness, you know, in the last couple of decades. So I think that's more so the model that you're going to see these days from AFL teams is more of a continued success as opposed to, you know, um, hitting the top and then going down to the draft and trying to rebuild. But uh, regardless of which way you look at it, we're here now, uh, big, big final tomorrow. And um, the reason that we've done this episode on a Thursday night is mainly we've got the teams in, Ned, so may as well get stuck straight into it. And I'm, it's going to be better if we keep you on the Richmond camp tonight. So can you tell us what the uh, teams are looking like for the Tigers? Um, yeah, so I'm sort of shaking my head at one of the selections. Um, Nathan Broad coming in for Jake Hartz. Um, and then obviously Tom Lynch coming in for Marby Ochoa, which was obviously going to be thereabouts. Um, I'm, I'm a bit, 
I think Broad definitely is in our best 22. At the sacrifice of Arts, I think not. I think Arts has probably been our most promising small forward this year. He seems to be able to kick his goal a game, um, provides a lot of good forward half tackling pressure. My only problem with him, and I've seen it, especially in the later weeks, is that he tends to get caught up holding the ball, like dragging it in or not really making a genuine attempt. But I still don't think that's really justifiable for um, omitting him, in my in my opinion. But to be fair, he's probably not as quick as Castagna or um, Rioli. And also Broad is probably a bit more agile than Caddy, who I still think is carrying a bit of an injury. So I'll expect Broad to play that um, Josh Caddy role where he plays high half forward onto a wing. Um, he's been doing a lot of time in the um, scratch matches, you know, playing on a wing, high half forward, high half back. He's been sort of utilised wherever he's needed. So I think he's probably been put in that spot where they just sort of chuck him where they need him. You know, if they need him down back, he'll be able to go down back. We know he's a proven defender. And, um, you know, going forward, you know, he, he, he can take a mark. So, and on the wing, you know, he's... Um, you know, he is quite a good runner. Like, he has good um, aerobic capacity. But, yeah, the Lynch, Lynch for Chole is pretty logical after Chole's performance. And, obviously, you know, Lynch being one of the more marquee key forwards in the comp, it's a bit of a no-brainer in my opinion. Yeah, well, I guess that's something that I wanted to ask you, but you've, you've gone into depth pretty well about it then. You know, coming from a position I'm not overly uh, knowledgeable in the way that Richmond play and their style, so... Are you saying that the main reason they've brought Broad in is just for that versatility that he offers compared to Art? So, you know, he can be used as a potential swingman regarding and given how the play of the game is going out? I believe so, yes. If we need someone to flood back and be able to, you know, play a third man up um, at half back or something, I believe, you know, he's proven to be able to take, take a mark. You know, he's, um, yeah, he's, you know, one, two premierships as a defender. So he's got defense down pack. Um, he is, um, yeah, like what I said, he's quite a good um, aerobic. He's got quite a good aerobics. So there's no reason why he might not jump up onto a wing. But I think he might be as a high half forward. Um, obviously, Richmond last week against Brisbane were quite woeful. And I think this has been our problem throughout most of the year is that going forward and just being able to find marks. So whether Richmond are going to start looking at lowering their eyes and just being able to hit, you know, good marking targets. Obviously, um, Carlisle missing for St Kilda is a massive out. So having really three three tools down there, depending on where Martin starts, you probably assume Martin start in the middle, I'd say, just from an assumption. But um, so you got three, you know, you got two tools and one real medium-sized um, forward. You know, that, that provides um, marking opportunities plenty, especially if, if Richmond are going to go through the lines of lowering their eyes. Yeah, I, and it was mentioned throughout the week, and I know that Dimmer kind of kept his options open in terms of perhaps keeping Chole in. Um, you know, and I think that was made reference to considering that St Kilda had Carlisle and Ryder out, and we'll get to the St Kilda list in a second. Also, um, um, sorry to butt in, but Broad has also in times um, 
when Nankervis was out with his syndesmosis, that Broad would actually find himself in the ruck every now and then. Right. Unless they're going to put Lynch into the ruck, if Lynch is fit enough, they might do Lynch as a second ruck and Broad comes back as a bit of a more bigger size forward or they, they're using Broad as a second ruckman, sort of like a Sean Griggs sort of role back in 2017. Yeah, well, I think, and that's what I was getting on then, is that it kind of got thrown into Hardwick's face, you know, given the outs at St Kilda have. He had an opportunity to stack his team full of tools and really dominate in the air. Um, he's chosen not to, and I think that that's the, I think that's the uh, preferable option, and I think that's probably the smarter option out of the two. More so considering, you know, if St Kilda manages to play well, they're going to be real damaging with their pace. And not only that, it's it's a long way for how St Kilda won in round four against the Tigers. So I think that, you know, a bit of caution needs to be thrown into the wind and make sure that they don't make it their squad too tall and dominate, just hope to dominate in the air. Yeah, so there's also one player that I tend to forget about. And um, he actually started off when he made his debut for Richmond, um, playing as a second ruck, and that's Noah Bolter. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like what I said, Broad's a very proven defender. The fact that they might actually start utilising Bolter, you know, in a half forward or as a second ruckman, it's just, you know, a slight altercation. Um, I don't think Bolter was that fantastic on the weekend. Um, but, yeah, that, that could be another possibility. Look, I've got no idea what the plan is, but just trying to, you know, it's like, you know, doing a 50, you know, 50 options of dot to dot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's a good point, you know, good time to get into the St Kilda team. So St Kilda have had to make three forced changes. They've um, Paddy Ryder obviously injured his hamstring last week. Jay Carlisle has uh, gone back down to Victoria for the birth of his child, and Ben Long um, was suspended and he had his suspension upheld by the tribunal, which I will get to a little bit later on because that will be part of the segment. You can't be doing that. I thought thought he was very stiff in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, You know what? We'll do it now. We'll do it now. So this isn't a, you can't be doing that right now. I'm reserving this one, Ned, until next season, because I guarantee it's going to come up next season. The main reason that Ben Long got suspended was the medium impact and quote unquote, the potential to cause injury. So I think that draws a very um, dangerous line in the way that, the way the injuries are looked at in terms of people going to the tribunal. And I think that means that any conduct that can potentially result in an injury, then that's going to be under the microscope and potentially valid for a week. And you can't be doing that. You know, like, honestly, when I first saw the bump by Ben Long, I thought that it was a week, you know, it looked as if it could have been a week, but um I thought that fair enough arguments were made in the fact that McRae was not injured from it. And I, I don't even think he had a concussion test, you know. I don't even no, think he went off the field. So I, I think you need to be very careful basing your assessment on the injury of a player. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's AFL. There's always a potential for someone to get injured. You know, you could say the same thing about half a dozen um, cases that have been gotten away with fines. There's always a potential to get injured. So I'm waiting for, you know, someone to get uh, suspended next next year, 
they'll go through the next week, they'll go through the tribunal process and they'll get given the green light to play that week and drop their suspension based on a successful challenge. So it will be interesting to see, um, but we'll reserve that to this time next year and I'll go a bit harder. Yeah, look, in my opinion, I thought um, in, in my watching it live and watching the replays, it looked like he tried to slow down and um, not execute full force. Um, obviously, it didn't look good in um, in full, you know, in full motion. But at the end of the day, it's only split split six, second decision. Um, I have him off in my book. Um, obviously, like what we discussed throughout the week, that um, the appeals board does not take prior convictions mm-hmm. into account. Um, obviously, and he's one on Sean Darcy. Um, that was definitely not intentional as well either. So that's what I think. I think it's not really – it wasn't intentional. And I think that's what they have to get right is that there's potential cause injury. But you don't play AFL not to think that, okay – there could be a chance I get injured. I mean, you go for a marking contest and, I mean, you land awkwardly on your knee, you do your ACL. Well, and that's that's exactly well, right. And, and, you know, and there's some, like, you know, niggling you in the back. And, well, that could have caused the injury, but that's not going to get you anywhere because, you know, if their knee's just in the back and they're flying for the mark, you know, realistically, it's play on. And, you know, there's no potential to cause harm in in that instance, isn't there? No, that's exactly right. And it's something else that I just want to have, quickly touch over before I start going into the team list and the uh, preview of the game is that it, it kind of feels wrong in the whole system where you've got someone getting suspended for going for the ball, albeit, you know, he has, you know, engaged in misconduct by giving off a high bump. But it kind of seems a bit harsh that he gets a week and then there's off-the-ball incidents that don't get mm. a week. So I, I think that there needs to be a quite a significant overhaul, in my opinion. And, um, you know, you kind of want to see people go 100% at the ball. You don't want to see people get hit high. So I'm okay if that's going to constitute a week. But I think that if that's the case, then you need to crack down on this off-the-ball stuff because, you know, the prime example is the Tom Lynch one earlier on against Brisbane. Um, yeah, I think, you, you know, like the little jabs, you know, that I, I guess there's arguments to say that they're okay, but for the more serious ones, I think that they should almost constitute mm. a mandatory week. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that's the thing. And when you, um, you know, when you go through the ranks of playing Auskick and, you know, junior football, you know, your, your obvious entitlement is always to go for the ball. But if you're restricted to that and look, yeah, Maybe at initial thought, there's a week in it and there is maybe a free kick in it. Well, there is a free kick in it, definitely, because it was high contact. But when you're looking at potentials, it's, um, my opinion, it's, um, it's quite shit. Yeah, it, it's a very, da- it's it a is, very it is, dangerous thing. It is, it is dangerous yeah. because you look at any incident and there's always potential to cause injury. Two players, you know, they hip and shoulder each other. What well, means a player can't, you know, slip over and, you know, do a syndesmosis or, you know, yeah, you know, no, roll their it. ankle. So I think I, th- I think the potential thing is not bad. Uh, I mean, is um quite bad. I think you got to you got to take each case as it is by its value. Yeah. Well, for for example, you know, let's just say it's the exact same incident. 
you know, a high bump. But then for whatever reason, you're right. Uh, McRae rolls his ankle and if he was to play next week, he'd have to miss because of an injury. Does that injury that's sustained from a high bump, even though it's occurred on his ankle, does that, you know, does that go towards suspending someone? So I think it just makes, I think it makes the line too dangerous and too ambiguous. And what happens if a bump that may, maybe goes high, say for example, Mason Cox bumps um, Caleb Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously there's not much that Mason Cox could do to get down to the level to bump Caleb Daniel in a legal way. Yeah, it might be a free kick, but you've got to realise that. Yeah, you know, I, I think it'll just be very interesting because it'll surely become up to interpretation again next year. You'd think, you know, yeah. bumps are a part of the, you know, part of everyday football. So, but anyway, so Ben Long misses out this week and he's replaced by Shane Savage. Now, this is essentially a straight swap. Um, Shane Savage has only played one game this year, but in that game, he, he had the most metres gained. And to be completely honest, I kind of, you know, I'm more than happy with that um, that swap. It would be better to have Ben Long in, I, I, I suppose. But um Shane Savage, you know, provides a bit of pace off halfback and he's got a pretty powerful boot on him as well. So he's it's probably a bit of an equivalent of a Jaden Short, but maybe not as good a, as accurate a kick. But he doesn't he doesn't have to do too much defending Shane Savage. So I think that'll be his job. I reckon his job will be get the pill, run, kick long. I don't know, man. Ben Long's a genuine superstar. I don't know. <laughs> right, you've been listening to too much of Coops, I reckon, in AFL trade rumors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and in the other two changes, so Carlisle's out and he's made way for um, Josh Battle and Ryder out for Jonathan Marsh. Now, at the moment, if you look at the list, you've got Jonathan Marsh, Marsh in the back line and Josh Battle in the forward line. Now, I, I reckon throughout the entire game, they're going to be very versatile. It's going to be a real malleable formation. So I wouldn't be surprised if they spend a lot of time switching depending on how the game's playing out. And um, it'll be interesting because Jonathan March has quite a lot of zip as well. He's got a fair bit of pace on him. So I think that's going to be, and I'll get to that in a second, but I think that's going to be the main way to beat Richmond. So they've gone, they've had to go slightly smaller, not by choice, more by what's been given to them. But I think that it has the potential to work in their favour. That's right. Um, I think... Uh, I think like we discussed for the Eagles St Kilda game about how we questioned St Kilda's selection. And I think in a way you can't be reactive. You've got to be proactive. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to utilize your assets to the best. Um, you know, you can't be thinking about, you know, in St Kilda's case, you can't be thinking about what Richmond's doing. And that's the thing with Richmond as well. You can't be thinking about what St Kilda's doing because yeah. you're going to try and make sure that your game style is better than theirs. You need to back yourself in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to, and I mean, you don't make a semi-final by fluke. Yeah, spot on. You finished seventh. You guys finished seventh? We finished sixth, but yeah. Sixth, yeah. So you you finish sixth and you get through the first week of finals. You don't do that by fluke. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be a decent team to do that. And if, and you know what, you're sixth, there's 12 teams below you. You know, so you got to know that you're that you're right up there in that top six um, group. That you know that your game will keep you in games, and if not, win you games. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with that. You know, both teams, you know, really need to own up to it. 
uh, they need to understand. And I think that, you know, that's just a given with Richmond. That's academic because they've been there long enough. They know what they're doing, uh, which leads me to my next question for you. We did this last week when we were previewing the first week of finals. Um, for saying, I need you to give me one or two words on what Richmond need to focus on to win. Discipline and Ford 50 efficiency. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. See, look, I, I've gone controlled aggression. You know, I think um, it wouldn't hurt Richmond if they went going into tomorrow, knowing that, you know, they've been the team that no one's been able to knock off the last couple of years. Um, they need to really stamp their authority down. So whether that's before the first bounce, you know, getting stuck into the Saints, I think they need to show that they're dominant. Even if it's by a quick start, they need to make sure that they're ready to go because I think if they manage to kind of put St Kilda in a bit of a corner, I reckon that, you know, there's a fair chance they could kick away with it early. Well, I think if you're a good football team, which this Richmond side is, just let your football do the talking. You know, you're a good team. Just, just walk, you know... Walk the walk and talk the talk with your football. Don't get sucked into, you know, that's what Brisbane did. They tried to suck Richmond into crap and, you know, it led to 450-meter penalties. Um, Richmond just need to do the talking with their football. Yeah. I think realistically, they just need to be disciplined. Obviously, have that sort of on-edge aggression that we know they have, you know, with that ferocious tackling and all that. But, you know, you don't need to be, you know, slamming blokes off the ball or, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you, so you're suggesting that, you know, Richmond come out, you know, they just don't even focus on trying to, you know, intimidate St Kilda, you know, around the ball in terms of off the footy, but uh, more just let their footy do the talking. Just, just Yeah, just do the talking to the football. If you're a good football side, you just do it, you know, just playing pure football. And, um, you know, if things pan out, which I think, you know, in no disrespect, I think Richmond's a better football side. If Richmond come in, play a good, hard, disciplined brand of football, they'll beat St Kilda and they'll walk away with the chocolates. And, you know, that's all you can want, you know. Who cares if you if you slam someone onto the ground and, you know, they, you know, and they're hurt afterwards, you know, you just want to win the game. Yeah. Now, Spot on, do you have um, one or two words that St Kilda could potentially focus on for them to win? I um I think pace and overlap for mine. You know, St Kilda throughout the early stage of the year had that really good fast movement and um being able to get that good overlap and you know, obviously Richmond pride their defense on being so system based, you know. But if you get that overlap and you have to make them change their system, that's gonna create the system to to break down. And I think the only way to do it is overlap. I mean, we saw um, earlier on in the year, Bradley Hill ran from half back, streamed through, and somehow got the ball and ran into an open goal. Well, um, I'd just like to inform the audience. I'm glad that I'm not sitting in person with Ned because I would have just about knocked his block off then. You've stolen my thunder. You've stolen my thunder. That's the exact same. I, the one word I had was pace. Um, you know, as we, as you just spoke about, it's what got the better of Richmond in round four, which was a really good game. You know, both teams played pretty, mm. you know, played well. I think St Kilda just had a tad more polish or whether that was them playing better yeah. or Richmond just not up to their regular standard. Um, that was the only difference, just that little bit of polish. Mm. Um, but 
see, I think St Kilda made a really concerted effort uh, last week against the Doggies to quick through the corridor, you know, get it into a one-on-one in the forward 50 and then just get everyone in there. So um, I think that the Gabba offers that as a, as a positive and, you know, it really gives you a chance to just bang it down the middle. I think that Richmond have the key in at Metricon. You want to say something? Yeah, I was about to say it's played at Metricon. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I really think that that goes into Richmond's advantage, to be honest. I think St Kilda's played – perhaps they've played three games this year and they won, they've won. they won one of them, and that was against um, it was against Gold Coast, and they only won by about two points. So, And I, I know that Richmond's played pretty well throughout the year there, haven't they? Yeah, I don't think Richmond have lost a game at Metricon from yeah. memory. I know they had that while. good win against West Coast when um, – you know, West Coast were playing their best footies. So. And the Geelong game was at Metricon as well. But um, also another thing I think is a real key for St Kilda is they need to be in this game. And this is the thing um, about Richmond is Richmond will grind you down for four quarters. Mm. St Kilda have to be in this game for at least three quarters. If St Kilda can get a jump and get, you know, a few goal lead at quarter time, um maybe be able to maintain it, have their, you know, have little lapses. But realistically, I think if St Kilda are going to win the game, they're going to have to be in this game for three and a half quarters. Yeah, you, yeah, um, I agree with that 100%, Ned. And I think that, you know, the line, the Lions, the Tigers, that they'll know that because St Kilda, if they're susceptible to anything, they're susceptible to falling asleep in the last quarter. I think they've done it about three times this year. You know, they've given up substantial leads. They almost did it last week. Yeah. Um, I reckon that would have almost been one of the first messages given to the boys would have been something along the lines of, let's make sure we play four quarters of footy. You know, we don't stop. You know, we keep playing our brand. Um, and Richmond are generally a good fourth quarter side as well. Yeah. So so they'll have to make sure, yeah, you're exactly right. They'll have to make sure they turn up for four quarters and bring the heat. Even, you know, they somehow managed to be a couple goals up at three-quarter time. They can't stop because a team of Richmond's calibre will eat them up. It'll be that simple for them. Now, us, the um, non-condoners of betting, have decided once again to do a little finals footy multi. Um Given the importance of this week for both of our teams respectively, we've decided to both do a multi on our own teams. But, Ned, I'm getting a little whisper that you've actually integrated a few Saints legs in there. Is that correct? Uh, one Saints leg, yeah. Um, so our cousin, Mark Costa, has been quite slack on his betting. Um, <laughs> obviously, his bets aren't coming through and he just doesn't have the funds to be able to um, <laughs> yeah. refund new multis. Um <laughs> So I'll start off with my multi. So this is a five-leg multi, 41 to one. So it's Richmond to win one to 39 points. Tom Lynch to kick two plus goals. St Kilda's Tim Membry to kick two plus goals. Richmond to win the final quarter by 13 plus points. And then Dustin Martin have 20 plus touches. Yeah, I mean, you're good at picking a um, multi where it's all relatively possible, you know. So, um, oh, how about how about a few of mine last week? Yeah, you know, you, we, we how close this. were you? Or were you close enough? Uh, so, in the NRL, I uh, Jack Whiten to score a double, pulls through the double. His team couldn't get over <laughs> the line by 19 points, they get over the line by 12 points. Um, <laughs> 
my Collingwood West Coast one came quite close. I think um, I think Taylor Adams may have been a couple of disposals off, but um, Adam Simpson was out to get me and said, <laughs> you know what, stuff you, Ned. I'm going to chuck Jack Borderman in defence. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I got no love from Simo there. And, um, yeah, I think I was paying pretty good multi. I think it was about 61 to 1 as well, and I had a couple of bucks on it. So, um, Adam Simpson, get your game together, mate. That's um, pretty piss poor for mine. Well, he's got a long preseason to think about it. Um, in terms of – I think I had a three-legger last week. Um, it was very close. I got the over on the points, and I got the St. Kilda win. I needed Jack Billings' goal, and I think there was one stage in the last quarter where he's tiptoeing along the uh, – point line and I think he tripped over his own feet and coughed the ball up and I was um, getting pretty excited for what looked to be a certain goal but for this week I've gone a bit more extravagant conceding that St Kilda are the underdogs um, I've gone a I've gone a five-legger as well uh, this one's paying at $69.50 so yeah I've got um, St Kilda for the win I've got Jack Billings in there again for 20 or more disposals. I think he's going to get a bit more game time, a bit more time up in the midfield. Uh, I've got Jack Steele for any time goal scorer. Ooh. Total points, I reckon it's going to be a high scoring game. I've got it over the 121.5. And I've chucked a little sneaky one for a fan favourite of ours, Jack Sinclair to have 15 plus disposals. It's just not fair. I'm, not, I'm just, uh, uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not sure how... Um, our regular listener, um, Jack Stephen, will feel about that. But yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Hold him accountable on a quick tagging roll. Keep him busy. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's it. Hopefully we get a bit of love on that one. But um, And now it's come down to our tips. So who are you tipping by how much, Ned? Me, I'm tipping Richmond... By 18 points. Yeah. Look, I think from a, a realistic point of view, I think that's probably around the ballpark. I'd probably like it to be a little bit closer, but you can definitely see it being around that three goal mark. I've gone a bit more optimistic um, rather than realistic, clouded by bias. I've gone St Kilda by four points, expecting another heart and mouth kind of finish and uh, maybe us not talking to each other for a couple of days. You never know. <laughs> Not talking to each other, mate. Either that or I'm going to have to do a quick trip down to... Yeah, a quick trip down to Biak with a baseball bat. Yeah. (laughs) All right. um, So um, moving on to the more or less important game from a Ferg's footy fanfare perspective. um, Geelong and Collingwood, to be honest, it's probably one of the most games I do not give to flying Fs about. Um, two teams that are right on the bottom of my favouritism spectrum. Yeah, they are, yeah. No, I can imagine you watching this and just being like, oh, bloody cocks, bloody danger, you know, not having a good time watching it, seeing all the players that you dislike um, immensely. I might be out in the shed, actually. I might, <laughs> you know, I might I might call in and check in and be like, oh, wow, that's a score. Yeah, look, I, um, oh, I'm going to be blatantly honest. I don't really care much about this game. Because I think the way that Brisbane played, I can't see either of these sides getting the chocolates over Brisbane in Mm -hmm. um, the preliminary final anyway. So, um, you know, they're sort of, yeah, playing for second place. 
playing. Yeah, the look, it's um, realistically. It, it's a fair enough bump. I think I think this game has the potential to be closer than the Richmond and St Kilda game. Um, if I was Geelong, I'd be pretty scared to be completely honest. I think there's a real possibility yeah. they could go out in straight sets here. Um, just based on you know, I think that that Collingwood win last week will do so much for their confidence. It'll do so much for how they play regularly. They'll know that that's the benchmark now and they'll try and hit that every week. And we know that when Collingwood's playing their best football, you know, it's difficult yeah, for any team best. to beat them. So um, I think it's got a real good potential. It sounds like Selwood will play. Um, it sounds like, yeah. you know, any changes that are made are not forced through injury. Um I'm not sure if you've written down where, you know, keys for each team winning, but I have. So, um, um, yeah, I, I can think of keys right now. I haven't written any down, but I can think. All right. What have you got for Collingwood then? So for Collingwood, uh, I think just keep on keeping on. They played a really good game against West Coast. They're able to hold out um, a very dominant marking side and very controlling side, the West Coast are. Um, obviously, that's what saw them win the premiership a couple of years ago. And we see Geelong are trying to sort of go down that sort of same method that they, they like to could have as much control of the ball as possible. And I think for Collingwood, yeah, they've just got to play, you know, good, fast football. Um, you know, you've got some really fast players, Trelaw. Um, uh, yeah, Trelaw. And you've got Pendlebury, you can find times and space anywhere. You've got Dugowie up forward, who I suspect will be playing. I don't think he'll get dropped. But... Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Collingwood just – yeah, they've just got to get back and playing high-pressure football. They can play really good high-pressure football. Yeah, well, that mine is you're stealing my thunder again. I'm going to have to go first next time. I've gone with unrelenting pressure. Um, their engine room in the midfield is pretty – you know, is just as good as any getting around, especially yeah. with Taylor Adams in the form that he's in at the moment. And I think that that is the, probably the biggest step to stopping – the clean and slow football movement that Geelong likes. So I think that, you know, they want to make it real finals footy, really hotly contested, lots of tackling, lots of contested possessions. And I think that, you know, they'll enjoy that brand of footy more than Geelong will. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw Geelong come unstuck against Richmond against, you know, real high quality pressure. So I think, um, and Collingwood really have the potential to give high amounts of pressure that um, they can force in a lot of Geelong mistakes. Um, just a thing as well, you know, if Geelong do go in straight sets like we're talking about, is there, a bit of, is there going to be a lot more scrutiny on Chris Scott? Obviously, his finals record. I think from memory, he has coached... Is it 4-12? 4-12? Yeah, 4-12 four four and and Yeah, 16 finals, 4-12. and 12. And then if that makes it four and 13, I mean, we're not Geelong fans, but I, I feel as a, if I was a Geelong fan, that there's been years where there has been potential for him to, you know, play in a grand final or win a premiership. And um, is the frustration really going to kick in for Geelong that, you know, they've been a really good team for so long, but what has been, you know, so good, you know, really meant when you haven't really got, you haven't really got the chocolates. Yeah, it's something that, you know, it'd be an interesting question to ask a Geelong fan to see whether their patience is wearing thin. Um, I know that we'll get stuck into this more in the off season. We'll start talking about trade whispers and all that, but I have heard that there's a potential for Geelong to go for Jeremy Cameron 
big news if true, but, you know, you'd have to wait and see if that develops anymore. But in terms of the coaching role, um, I don't think they'll get rid of Chris Scott unless there's a substitute that is proven. And at the moment, there's just... Matthew you know, Scarlett. Yeah, unless you were to go something... I reckon unless you were to try and get Ross the boss back in, whose, you know, game plan is questionable when it comes to those big finals... I think that they um, just have to go with him and, you know, hope, you know, hope that they, like we were talking about last week, pick up another key forward and maybe that's their missing puzzle piece. But it is concerning their finals record. And you're right, if they do go out this week, then questions will be asked by their fans, I'm sure of it. So you... for my keys for Geelong, yep. they have to play more desperate. They have to be desperate. Um, we look at the way that Richmond have been able to play finals. You know, they play really desperate, like, you know, they play quali- like years ago. They played a qualifying final, like it's a knockout final. Mm-hmm. They play like they're playing for their lives every single week. Um, I think that's what Geelong need to develop into their game. They really have to have that sense of urgency and that sense of desperation. Because um, we know Geelong are a very good side. Um, finished top of the ladder last year. They finished top four again this year. They can do it. Like realistically, they can do it. But they've got to be able to provide that desperation that a lot of sides come finals are able to do like for example a Collingwood or a GWS last year Bulldogs back in 2016 you know able to play that sort of style Richmond have been able to do it you know through the last few final series they really need to find that real next gear and you know if they if they want to win a premiership you know they're going to have to play you know that real you know that real on edge sort of style yeah well Seeming that it's been kind of the talk between us whenever we've referred to Geelong over the past couple of weeks, um, my my tips for them to win is they need their forward line to stand up. So you have the Tomahawk, you know, obviously inaccurate last week. I don't think he needs to be doing anything different, maybe just having his leading passages maybe slightly more central. But, yeah, you know, he's um, obviously doing the right things to get the ball. But they had a lot of forwards, and I'll name a few. They had Myers, uh, Rowan. Um, they had O'Connor playing forward at times, which I thought was a bit odd considering he's a backman. Um, and Ablett to a certain extent, but they were all relative, you know, they were all quiet throughout the night. And when you look at their general lineup for their forward line, it's, you know, there's not a lot of goal kickers. You know, Dalhouse is there and he's a pretty nippy, you know, nippy around the ball, but he's not someone that you rely on to kick two or three a game. So they need to, you know, people to stand up and start generating another source of scoring or else I think they're going to be in real trouble. Without hinting hints, is it going to be a chemistry issue between Rowan and Hawkins? Um, without without dropping too many hints or gags? Uh, no. Yeah, you'd like to think that in AFL football, it's professional enough that once it's on the field, you know, your, your teammates and all that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that there should be an issue. Uh, most of the times it depends whether Rowan rocks up, you know. I reckon he's one of the the best inconsistent players. Like when, he, you know, he can shred teams apart, but um, he's very capable of going missing as well. So if he's... Um, Especially he's, in finals. We've seen him um, mm-hmm. in a few grand finals when he played for the Swans that, you know, he's going to be real key for the Swans to win grand finals and he just... Yeah, if he rocks up, if he rocks up and brings his A game on Saturday evening, I think that that goes a long way for them to winning. 
you're providing another target. And I'm going to assume that they're not going to play Radicalia as well. So, you know, maybe they even think about throwing a bit more of an attacking presence with Jack Steven in, but I can't see that either. I think they'll pretty much... I uh, did his hamstring. Oh, there you go. Did his hamstring from a uh, nice crunching tackle from um, Jack Graham 2.0, the uh, Fridge 2.0 in Jack Ross. That's right. He'll be pretty... At least he'll be pretty happy that it wasn't um, Jack Sinclair. Oh, it's just <laughs> not fair. All right. So, um, tip, Ned? Yeah. Um, I'm going Collingwood by eight. I think Collingwood would take enormous confidence out of their win over West Coast. And obviously, Geelong's crunch finals record has been um, to, you know, has been quite a big topic over the last few years. And I think it might be a um, continuing issue yeah well I'm kind of you know tipping against the grain here considering that Collingwood were 22 point victors against Geelong earlier on in the season I think that Geelong will be able to get the job done and they'll do it by 11 points um, yeah I just feel like you might be able to expect a bit more out of their um, bigger names you know I think if Dangerfield plays well Hawkins plays similar to where if he just kicks straight I, you know if he ends up kicking five goals, I can't see them winning. But in saying that, he's going to be playing on Darcy Moore rather than Trent McKenzie. So he's going to have a much harder task at hand. Exactly right. All right, beautiful. Well, hopefully there's two of us here next episode. We'll um, Hopefully one of us hasn't killed the other. But uh, no, yeah. in, in all honesty, I really hope that it's a close game tomorrow. And um, I hope that both teams just play their best. It would be quite disappointing yeah. to only see one team rock up. So in saying that, uh, best of luck for tomorrow, Ned. I hope your um, team plays well, but not too well. <laughs> okay, mate. And I've just got one final thing for you um, for tomorrow night. Bit of tongue-in-cheek. Um if you're down, phone one three double one one four, and that number is Lifeline Australia. Far out. No, you know what? I re- in in my mindset that I've got for the game tomorrow, it's really only up. You know, I think if um, and look, you can look at it as a positive if um. If Richmond end up do losing tomorrow, there's no doubt that I'll be able to swing up there for grand final weekend. Won't have to worry about going to work. So, uh, yeah, that's all right. But um, also a bit of Ned's nuggets of knowledge. And I didn't oh. take a screenshot of this. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Look, I'm um, I'm right over all this stuff. So, I did see a screenshot. Port Adelaide. Oh, I reckon I know where you're going with this. So Port Adelaide in 2004 beat Geelong in a qualifying final and if St Kilda are to win against Richmond, they will be playing St Kilda in a preliminary final. In Adelaide? Now, if, now if, Collingwood, uh, if Geelong beat Collingwood, Geelong will be playing Brisbane and then if Brisbane and Port Adelaide win, They'll be playing the same grand finals 2004. Yeah. And if Port Adelaide win that grand final, well, they would have gone through the same trio as they would have when they won in 2004, as well as the two preliminary finals being the same two teams with the same final outcome. 
Jeez. Pretty crazy how, hey, you know, you, you get eight, or even these days, you've got two extra teams in 2004 and you can still kind of come to that similar conclusion where you've got you've got the potential for four of the same teams to be at the same position, same, you know, yeah. same state that it's played in. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and also this lifeline thing that I said to you could really come to bite me in the ass. So yeah, I'm expecting criticism if it comes to bite me back <laughs> in the ass. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Best of luck tomorrow and best of luck throughout the week. We'll have our next episode up early next week to review week two of the finals. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Jay.